Before going on to listen to this episode, I must preface it with a trigger warning. In this episode you're about to listen to, I will be mentioning eating disorders, weight, calories, and other mental health issues. I will make sure to preface every episode with this trigger warning in case there is a mention of something that you might not be able to handle. This podcast is meant to be an educational and mind-opening podcast to the scary world of eating disorders and what they can do to you. Even though I want this environment to feel safe for everyone, please proceed to listen with caution. This show will include genuine content only. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reasons for Recovery. This is episode 20. Yes, I'm so happy that we were finally able to make it this far in the podcast and that we have grown so much over the course of this year alone. And I'm just so thankful and I can't wait to see what the future holds. It has been a busy week leading up to where I am recording this. As you know, I took on another job, so now I have two jobs, and uh, you all know that I am also a part of two different organizations through my university, and this week has stretched me thin. It's stretched me very thin, on top of academics as well, battling all of this all together. Oh my gosh, it's just been, (laughs) it's been a long, difficult week, but I'm glad that I can finally end my week, because I'm recording this on a Friday. I'm glad I can finally end my week with... Uh, recording the podcast and especially now that this is uh, episode 20 and we are so close to hitting one year and um, it just it feels good you know to just take a break and sit back and relax and get this out for you guys. Also speaking of the future um, in a few short days there's actually something very amazing that's going to be happening um, which is also what this episode's kind of all about And that is my two-year anniversary of eating disorder recovery. So yeah, two years on the 24th of February, I decided to dedicate my life to something much more healthier and happier than what I was originally doing to myself. And I'm beyond thankful that I've actually made it to two years and that I've accomplished so much within these two years. It's just unreal, you know? Um, So, yeah, it's a big deal, and um, I'm very shocked, (laughs) yet I'm very happy that I was able to make it this far, and I'm not done. Just uh, because I've hit two years does not mean that's it and that I'm quitting. This is two years and counting. This isn't just two years. It's two years and counting, and I will never, ever become a slave to my eating disorder ever again. So this two years that I'm celebrating here soon will turn into three years, then four years, then eventually 10 years, and so on for the rest of my life. Um, So yeah, uh, when I'm putting this out, it's going to be the 20th of February, so four days from now, it will be my recovery anniversary, and I'm really excited. Um, So thank you all for the continuing support along the way, of course. Um, This podcast has really helped me get a lot of emotions out there and um, a lot of other things that I don't need to be building up inside of me. So it's, it's definitely, you know, you're a part of all of this as well. Uh, probably most of you didn't even know that my recovery anniversary was coming up, uh, but you all have supported me like no other, and I just want to thank you all for that. So here's to many more years of living a very healthy and happy and fear-food-free life. So 
to celebrate a little early, um, I told you this episode was kind of going to be tying around my anniversary. Uh, I wanted to do another Q&A episode to open up more opportunities for listeners to ask me whatever they want. As you know, I love to involve my listeners in any way possible that I can, and a Q&A is a really good way to do that. So, I asked you guys on my Instagram if you had any questions uh, to leave them for me and maybe they would be answered on this podcast episode. So I opened up the discussion to literally anything at all regarding my eating disorder, whether it just be questions about myself and my eating disorder or questions that you might have about eating disorders. And I opened it up to my past, my present, uh, during, before, after recovery, literally anything in between. And you guys delivered. I got a lot of questions, and I won't have time to go through every single one of them, uh, but I'm kind of going to do what I did during my last Q&A, and I'm just going to pick out the top five of my favorites from a bunch of them and answer them. Also, I'm very bad <laughs> at remembering to write down who asked what question, and I always uh, end up just writing the question down and not the person. And if I'm being honest, I'm too lazy to go back and look it up anyways. Um, And some people may not want to have their question disclosed with their name, you know. They might just want to be private about it and not have their name on a podcast with over a thousand viewers. So, it's better that I just have the question written down anyways. But like I said, top five questions will be answered today. Some of these were repetitive questions. I had a lot of people ask the same thing. Um, and obviously those are the, some of the questions that I went with. And, uh, on top of that, I just picked out questions that were genuinely just my favorites and that I really wanted to answer. And if your question didn't get picked, don't worry. I have all of these written down in a binder and I will get to them in future Q and A's and also, uh, open up more opportunities for you to participate and, um, just be a part of the podcast. So... To go ahead and get started with answering the questions, um, this top question, this was one of the most frequently asked questions. Um, There were actually five of you that asked basically the same thing, and that was, how does it feel to have made it to two years in recovery? Now, some of the people, let me just preface this by saying some of the people who asked this also tacked on some other stuff with it as well. Uh, I know that one person said, like, how did you make it to two years? You know, I never seemed to make it past three months without wanting to binge again. And then I knew there was another person that said, um, how did you make it to two years? I wish I was able to commit that long. Um, But first off, whoever those people were, I'm proud of you regardless of how you feel. I I know that you may feel invalidated and stuff like that, but you're trying and that's all that matters. That's really all that matters. I really, really hope that you are listening to this right now and you really hear me when I say that your emotions and your struggles and your breaking points, they're all valid. And don't make yourself think that just because, you know, you fail every so often doesn't mean you can't take on recovery. I've failed and I still fail to this day and I'm two years in. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. That's life. We're human. We fall short. It's as simple as that. And also, before I really go into answer this question, I'm in two years of recovery on the 24th, but that does not mean that I am two years eating disorder free. Obviously, in these past two years, I have had many, many, many failures and mistakes. Um, You know, just 
the the whole reason behind my recovery is to just live a healthier life regardless of what my breaking points may be and what my failures may be you know when you commit your life to recovery you commit to heal yourself and dedicate your life to having a better relationship with food and that does not mean that you are completely ridden of an eating disorder you know Recovery from an eating disorder is not the same thing as, like, recovering from, like, alcohol or any other sort of addiction, you know? That's when you, like, completely wipe yourself clean of it, and you go on a streak of not having that thing happen to you every single day. But an eating disorder recovery, that's different. It's it's not like you just wipe the slate clean, you know? You live with it every single day, but you're in recovery, which means that you're just working on being in a better relationship with food. So just because, you know, you feel like one day you might want to binge or like you feel like you're not committed so much one day, it'll change. Over time, it's going to get better and it's going to, you know, not be a straight line. I say that so much. Um, but you're in recovery regardless of if you think that you're failing 24-7. You know, if you've committed your life to recovery and you know that in the end things are going to be better, you're in recovery. You're doing good as it is already. Um, but sorry about that. I got a little bit off track there and haven't even answered the question yet. Uh, but I just had to say that really quick. Um, but no, for being in recovery for two years, it, it feels amazing. It feels It feels great to hit that milestone and that higher up I get in years of recovery, the more it makes me want to keep going. You know, the longer that I've proved to myself that an eating disorder can't hurt me, the longer that it makes me want to keep fighting and keep pushing and to really show that eating disorder who's boss and who actually controls my body. And that's me. So I feel kind of overwhelmed though, uh, but at the same time, I'm still very happy about it. Like I mentioned, I fail a lot. And even in this last episode that I talked about with my 2020 goals, um, or 2022 goals, sorry, it's not 2020. Oh my gosh. Um, but you know, I talked about how I failed so much in 2021 and that it was very difficult with, uh, eating disorder wise. And I'm just overwhelmed, you know, with lots of emotions, both negative and positive. And there's always going to be that small voice in the back of my head that's saying like, two years is too long. You need to stop now. Go back to how you used to be. But obviously I'm not going to fall for it. And I just, you know, read into my positive emotions instead. So overall, it feels great to have made it this far. And to those of you who feel like you aren't ever going to make it to two years, let alone one year or even one month, like I said at the beginning, I'm here to tell you that you will get there. And it just takes practice, patience, persistence, positive thinking. <laughs> and, you know, you just have to be willing to give that to yourself every single day. And if you just keep it up, you most definitely will make it this far. So now my next question that I received a lot was, how did your eating disorder affect your college experience? Now this is a very great question and thank you for asking. I believe that there are three or four people that wanted more detail on this because I have talked a lot about being in college and having to deal with an eating disorder. And it can be very tough. Um, Pre-recovery, it was very hard in college, as one can imagine, but I can basically, you know, walk you through year by year to show you how things went down. Um, so I started college in 2019. I was already diagnosed with anorexia at this point, but I didn't really want to tell anyone, and I didn't want that to define who I was. And even though I was diagnosed with it, I just pretended like 
you know, it was a misdiagnosis and stuff. Like, I just denied it and stuff. Um, plus, I was also in constant denial, like I said, that I had a problem in the first place. Um, and the first two semesters of college, surprisingly, went amazing. Like, I don't know how I pulled that off. I don't know how that happened, but I was on the president's list both semesters, which means I had all A's. And I was a very good student all around in all my classes. Um, my eating disorder really didn't catch up to me until 2020, my first semester of sophomore year. Uh, I started college a semester early, for those of you who are kind of confused on the timeline, uh, but I was a sophomore by January 2020, while all my friends were still at the same age and classified as freshmen. So, if you're confused with the timeline, there you go. But, like I said... This was when my eating disorder really started to ruin my college experience. I started to become very tired, very lethargic, and literally at any chance I had, I was taking a nap. I think I talked about this like in one of the very first episodes ever. Even if it was like a 30 minute, 45 minute period in between classes, I took a nap because I was always constantly tired. There were some days where I was too weak to even get up into my bed to take a nap because in college, your dorm room beds are high up above the ground, so I had no strength to lift myself up into it. Uh, so I would just get a pillow off of my bed, and I would sit at my desk and put my head down on the desk and sleep there. Because I, I just had no strength to get up into my bed anymore. And when I went to bed at night, I would have to step on my bedside table to hop up in there. Because, I, like I said, I had no strength. And because I literally slept, like, any possible free time I had, I never really had any time to do my homework. Uh, so you know when I would do it? All night long. Yeah, I'd stay up way past midnight and do all of the work that I didn't do during the day because I was sleeping. And it didn't really help out a lot that I was working a job at the time where I had to be on the clock by 5 a.m. So it was very rough in that aspect, you know? It didn't really get as much sleep um, during the night like I was supposed to. It was more so during the daytime. Um, but another way my eating disorder affected my college for me was um, that I was always constantly cold, which I've talked about quite a lot on here. I've talked about how I was so skinny and I had no muscle or fat to really keep me warm and that I had to wear almost like three layers of clothing just to stay sort of warm. Uh, but I remember being cold literally all the time, and that really messed with my ability to learn. When I was in class and it was freezing, I never really paid attention. I would just focus on how cold I was and how I was just ready to leave, and that really impeded my learning. This semester was also when I finally got sent to the mental hospital, and when I was there for a week... Uh, as you can imagine, I missed out on a lot of coursework, which was very difficult for me to catch up on. Uh, but the worst thing that my eating disorder did in my college experience was made me fall behind in my degree. Um, like I had just talked about a minute ago, I went to college early. I went to college a semester early so I could graduate early. That was the whole plan. The whole process was that I would get out of there as soon as possible. Uh, but thanks to my eating disorder, <laughs> I did so poorly in two of my classes that I had to drop out of them. And that led me to fall behind in my degree because these classes were needed as prereqs to take my other classes. So without those classes that I had to drop, I wasn't able to move forward to the next highest class and that put me behind. So 
Overall, my eating disorder really only affected my college experience for that one semester when I fell behind. And then COVID happened like two weeks later, so that wasn't much of a help either. But thankfully, since 2020, my life in college has felt pretty normal. Of course, I have hiccups here and there, but it's basically been a normal college experience since that semester in 2020. Now, the third question that I would like to answer, uh, it was a really good one. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I gotta answer that. So um, somebody asked, can you give advice to someone who is having a hard time not looking at the scale and not trying to worry about their weight? See, I absolutely love this question because it will not only help whoever said this, but my answer could help a lot of other people who are listening as well. So I really thought about this and how I should answer it, but here's what I have to say. Um, Weight, it's just a number. It's just a number. Like, yes, I know that's cliche. I know that you probably hear that a lot. But no, like, really, really think about it here. It's just a number. A number. Are you really going to let numbers define who you are as a person, as a friend, as a part of your family? If you really just take the time and think about that for a second, it's just, it's just some random number. I know I'm repeating myself here, but you really need to understand here that there are some, these are just some random assortment of numbers that shouldn't be defining your worth and who you are. And if numbers on a scale give you so much nervousness and uneasy and satisfying, unsatisfying feelings, then that means that you have no business seeing what the number is in the first place. So really think about this. If getting on a scale makes your mental health just slowly deteriorate, what's the good in that? Like, wouldn't it just be better to not know and save yourself from those feelings and terrible emotions that make it hard to recover? That's what I would say. In the end, the scale is a menace, that's for sure. But what number it spits out does not define any aspects of you. I could go on all day about this, but obviously I got to keep it short. But if you really think about it, it's literally just how much gravity it takes to pull you down to earth. Like, seriously, weight is simply that. It's just the force acting upon your body. I, I hate to get all scientific here, but it's good to realize that so it's easier to avoid checking your weight all the time. It's literally just force upon your body that's pulling you down to earth. It's gravity. Like, that, that's all it is. Just remember your mental health in the end and reevaluate how you feel if you stepped on that scale in the first place and saw that number. Also, since I need to move on, if you want to get some more information and tips and tricks on avoiding weight yourself, you should check out my podcast episode that I made a couple of months ago that talks all about that. It's actually one of my higher viewed episodes, so obviously people love it and take note of it, but, uh, but check it out too if you want to get more insight on that. So now moving on to the fourth question. Someone asked me, what was it like to finally opening up to your family and friends about recovery? Were you scared? So thank you for the question. I really love this one too, and that's why I picked it. And to be short, It was scary, but surprisingly, it went very well. When I finally opened up about my eating disorder to anybody, really, it was right after I got out of the hospital. 
And I knew that a lot of people at this point were extremely worried about me. I I know a lot of my friends and my family would call my mom wondering what was wrong with me. I even had one aunt in particular, which is terrible, um, ask my mom if I had cancer, which is not funny at all. It's just, it's sad knowing that all of my family and friends were so worried and I did absolutely nothing about it and denied it all. But like I said, I finally woke up and I got the help that I needed, and once I had come back from the hospital, I decided to just make this huge post on Facebook, Um, you know, that way all of my family could read it and all of my friends could too. I have a very, very big family, and it would have taken me a long time to get through to all of them. It would have been very difficult to call them up and inform them about what I was going through, so I thought I'd just make it easier for everyone and just be super vulnerable on Facebook. I basically just kind of like poured my heart out and told everyone what my situation was and and what I had planned on doing to better myself. I even took the time to like apologize to everyone about denying their worries and concerns just so I could, you know, let everyone know like, yes, I've heard you all of these years. I just, you know, wasn't tough enough to speak out about it yet. Um, But after I had sent that post out, I was so scared at the reaction that it would bring up, Uh, but of course everyone was so proud of me and very excited to hear that I was willing to get better. They all cheered me on and later on throughout the week was when I started getting phone calls and texts and uh, it was just amazing to hear and see what everyone, that everyone was rooting for me and that they were going to continue until my recovery was completed. So, It was definitely a very scary feeling at first, uh, putting, you know, a very vulnerable topic out there for all of my friends and family to see, uh, but their reaction was actually what I needed to push me and keep me moving forward, you know? If I had not gotten any sort of reaction whatsoever from them, I don't know how I would have gone on in recovery. It, It was really all because of how much they supported me that I was able to make it this far. So now for my last question, and I'm just going to stop it after this one, um, is how were you able to get over fear foods? That's another great question, which is also why I picked it. Uh, But there are still instances to this day where I will choose one food over something else just because my eating disorder gets the best of me every now and then. And I still have times like that, you know. It's extremely rare. Very, very rare, actually. But... It's, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the process. You just have to learn to, um, you know, kind of deal with it and hold yourself back when your eating disorder, you know, tries to take over. But like I said, now, you know, picking foods over different types of foods is very, very rare. And this is because during my recovery, um, the nutritionist that I had helped me see that every food is a good food. Every food has the nutrients that I need in some sort of form or fashion. There is no food out there, there is no properly prepared food out there that is meant to harm you. There's nothing out there that is harmful to you. And that, of course, is if you don't have, like, an allergy or something. But my point is, when going through recovery, there is most certainly never going to be a time where you look at a food and you go, I can't eat that, that's bad for me. Like, there's never going to be a time where you should say that in your recovery because there is no such thing as a bad food. And I learned very quick 
that if I wanted to be successful in my recovery, I had to be open to anything. And I've talked about this before. You have to be open for literally anything during recovery. Any food, even if it was a fear, I had to be open to it. And that's because in order to recover, I needed to expose myself to foods I had initially cut out from fears. But like I said, the way that I got over these fears was that I just exposed myself time and time again, just gradually invited it back into my diet. And the longer that I incorporated this into my daily, weekly, monthly life, it slowly didn't become a fear anymore. Because along with exposure therapy, there's a lot of talking to yourself that you must do as well. You got to be able to tell yourself that there is no bad food. Nothing is off limits. I will feel happy if I have this food back in my diet. Things like that. And before you know it, those fear foods will solely just be foods. Exactly what they're meant to be, you know, and there will be no fear tacked on to that. And remember, like I say all the time, this isn't something that will be better overnight. This is something that you've really got to work on and practice over time. Because if you are truly dedicated to recovery, you're not going to give up and you won't stop until you are healthier and happier. And that's all that recovery is about. You know, these fear foods are going to be something that's going to try to drag you down over time. It's going to be things that you know, try to make you step back, try to make you relapse, but you got to be able to expose yourself over time to them and just incorporate them daily into your diet. And the longer that you keep doing that, the easier it's going to become. From taking time and effort daily, I now have no fear foods at all. I love every food. Every food is classified as just a food in my book. No words like fear, bad, unhealthy, or fattening are attached to it. We, we don't think like that anymore. And to keep that healthy mindset, we got to keep that trend going. It'll be so quick that one day you're just going to be eating some random food that used to be a fear without even knowing it. Like there are some days now for me that I'll just be eating like a sandwich or something and I'll stop myself and go like, oh my gosh, I used to be scared of this and look at me now. I'm eating bread. 18 year old me would be crying and throwing up simultaneously. <laughs> you know, she'd be so overwhelmed. Um, so yeah, it, it's just like it happens so quickly. Like I told you it doesn't happen overnight, but in, in your perspective, it happens so quickly, um, it just feels like that, that one day you're just going to be eating something that used to be a fear and you won't even notice because you have the mindset that all food is just food. But that's personally what I think is best, you know, getting comfortable with something uncomfortable that will slowly make it comforting. I know that's a mouthful, <laughs> I apologize for that, but there are foods out there that will make you scared or uneasy, but you do your best to incorporate them slowly back into your diet and you'll be comfortable in no time. So that is all the questions that I have to answer today. Uh, I want to go ahead and end it there before um, I get the episode a little too long, uh, but thank you all for listening if you've made it this far. And thank you for sticking around for 20 episodes. I'm very excited that in just four days from today, the 20th, I'm going to be two years into recovery. And that's that's still mind-blowing, but again, I'm very happy and I'm very proud. Uh, and remember, guys, if you ever want to talk about 
the podcast, leave feedback, or if you just need somebody to talk to, I'm always here. You can message me on Instagram or by email. That's going to be in the description for you to use. So please reach out to me if you need anything at all. I'm always here to answer questions. And I say this every single episode because I just really want to let it be known. Don't be shy to reach out to someone that you don't even know. Like, I know you guys don't know me personally. I know you guys are probably like, who even is this person? And, um... Just, if you feel like the number one reason why you aren't reaching out is because you're uncomfortable and you don't know the person, I just want to let you know that you can reach out to me for literally anything. Like, I've had so many listeners reach out to me over time talking about how much the podcast has helped them and how they need help in a certain area, and I'm always there to direct them in the right place. Because that's my goal. I want to be able to reach out to other people. I want to be able to be an advocate to other people when it comes to eating disorders and recovery. uh, Because that's what I feel called to do, you know? I I feel like this podcast is a, a definite way to get the word out. But whenever you reach out to somebody who has experienced things very similar to you, that makes things a lot more comfortable. Like, I remember I had a fan, one of the first people that ever reached out to me, um, she told me that she was very reluctant at reaching out at first, but then she kept listening to a few other episodes, and she started to realize that I had gone through a lot of similar things that she had gone through, and that made her feel more comfortable to talk to me and to reach out to me. And so, and if you hear anything in these episodes that I've been posting that have happened to you, it should make you feel a little more comfortable to be able to reach out. And I, like I said, I know you don't know who I am. I know that you only hear my voice and that's really it. Um, but that shouldn't deter you from trying to get a little bit of extra help in your recovery journey. You know, I really want to be able to reach out to everyone that is struggling right now. Everyone that wants to start recovery but just doesn't know how. You know, if you just talk to me for like literally five minutes, like just it's just send a quick DM, a quick email. It takes not long at all. And I, I literally would help you help you with anything, any time of day. Like I usually respond to listeners within like 10 minutes because I'm, I'm just on it. Like as soon as I see a DM or an email pop up on my phone and it's from a listener, like I see someone like usually when people message me or email me, they always start it off with, I'm listening to your podcast. Like as soon as I see that instantly, I'm right on that and answering it because I want to help that person as soon as possible. And I want to be able to reach out to others who are scared and nervous to start somewhere, you know? So do not feel afraid to reach out to somebody that you don't know, you know? Just let it be known that I've gone through many similar situations that you've probably gone through, and that should make it feel a little bit more comforting to you to reach out. So if you have any questions regarding eating disorder recovery, uh, just let me know. Just shoot me a quick message. But remember, if you think that you're ready to seek professional help, because, you know, I'm obviously not a professional. I'm far from a professional. Um, But if you feel like you have 
gotten to a point where you are ready to talk to a professional, then I have all the hotlines down in the description for you, all of the websites that you can check out and visit for more information on recovery. Uh, That's all in the description as well. Usually the websites that I put down in the description are for eating disorder recovery and for other mental health aspects that come along with eating disorders. Um, So please check those out if you feel like you really need to. And of course, use the hotlines definitely if you feel like you're ready to seek professional help. And trust me, as soon as you reach out, recovery will be right in the palm of your hands. It'll be ready for you to start because reaching out is the number one first thing you got to do. And it's the number one hardest thing that you do in recovery. So reach out as soon as you feel comfortable and get started on your journey to a healthier and happier life. You know, it's going to be great. And you can join me and along with many other people who have been through eating disorder recovery. And you'll soon realize that it's great. It's amazing. It's the best thing that you can do to benefit your health. So yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you all have an amazing day, an amazing week. And remember to stay safe and healthy.